We come to a moment in our worship service where we are going to pray to our Lord to give us the ears, to give us the heart, to give us the desire to listen from him. And we have our text this morning from the Old Testament, the ancient book of Isaiah, an amazing document. Scholars today are still arguing, when was it written? Who wrote it? Why was it written? For whom was it written? Well, I can say, God was the author. author. It was written for us even today. Thus, we hear and we listen to the word of God from Isaiah chapter 62. Close to the end of the book. Chapter 62. And I will read the first three verses. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name by the mouth of the Lord himself. This is the word of the Lord. Before I, I begin the message, I want to share with you something that I received from Presbytery. Uh, actually, not from Presbytery, but from Grace Presbyterian Church. Now, remember, Grace Presbyterian Church was the last congregation that was chartered in this presbytery uh, some years ago. So there is a tradition that we have now inherited this banner. And if you see down here, it has the name Light of Hope right down here. around from church to church for over 20 years, and we now have the privilege and the honor of holding this banner and placing it in our congregation as a memento that we are the latest congregation of our presbytery. It behooves us, then, that once the new church is chartered in our presbytery, that we will pass this banner onto them. Hopefully, and I look forward that it will not be five or six years from now, but rather it will be a of Light of Hope Presbyterian Church that will be chartered in the near future. We thank God for the honor and privilege of having this banner displayed today, and we'll put it somewhere in the building so that we are reminded about it. For God, we don't want that. For God, it has been very interesting and, and in some cases, God has actually decided to change people's name. Can you believe that, Blair? <laughs> By the way, this is Blair Rockefeller. Uh, he's our new friend, and he, as you see, he's up here, and he's not just sitting there. He's got some stuff that he plays with, and uh, we welcome you, Blair. And his wife is Doris, and she's back there, and she's supposed to have something in her purse, but we won't talk about that. The joke is that Dory has a tambourine hidden in her purse waiting to just blare it out and play it in church. That's the joke. But nobody knows. So God, in occasions, has actually decided to change people's names. It happened in the book of Daniel, actually. And in old days, it was a tradition for kings, for priests, to even change people's names after a great event. 
happened to Daniel after he survived the, the dungeon and the event with the Daniel, I mean with the lions, and he was taken back up to the king Nebuchadnezzar. I said that right. Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and, and the king said, well, your God is the true God, and therefore you will have a new name. And he names him this very confusing name. I can't repeat right now for the life of me. But along with the name, Daniel was inducted into the house of the Magis. Remember the Magis? The Magis? Some of them came to Jesus because they knew about a prophecy. How did they know about that prophecy? 800 years earlier, Daniel had been there and Daniel had taught his colleague, because that, that moment he became one of the Magi's. Daniel was one of the Magi's. So it also happened to the three young men who were thrown at the fire. And when the guard came to see, they see four, because the angel of the Lord went to abide with them and kept them safe in the fire. And they were also changed names by the king because of the grand event that they had experienced. Gideon did not get a name change, but he was given a title, not on based on he had done, but based on what he was going to be. Oh, mighty man of valor. Today I want to share briefly three stories of the many, many, many that are in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, and the New Testament about changing names. And the first one is Abram. Any of you know Abram? How do you know him as? Abram. Abram, exalted father is what it meant. But Abram, before he met God and God met him one-on-one, he was an idol maker. Did you know that? Yeah, he carved them out to his own fashion. He manipulated the gods to his own ways. So he knew that he could build gods. Great business, huh? Building gods. And God, the true God, that he could not manipulate, that he could not see in a figure and duplicate, the real God, the creator of heaven and earth, showed up in front of him and tell him, get your package, you're leaving. Say, what? But Abraham, whose new name is Abraham, father of multitudes, is now given the privilege is now given the honor of knowing God personally and having to develop a new faith. So Abraham's lesson, when his name was changed, it was for a purpose. It was for a reason. God changed Abram to Abraham because now Abram, the old guy, had to die. And Abraham, the father of multitudes with a new faith, and following a new God that he did not know, were walking together in the desert as they both communed and followed that story. Now, interestingly enough, all of you have been given a strip, right? A color strip? Taylor. Come from? And help me out. Taylor is going to do something with those strips. And as I move down the aisles... Please go ahead and hand me those strips because at the end we're going to see something about who we really are. So at Abraham was given the privilege of a new name because he was now going to have a new faith. He is now going to have a new way of life. A new God that he needs to know. 
a new savior that he needs to deal with. Because he didn't know this God before, he actually designed God's according to his own desire. The second person, are you listening well, Jun? Can you hear well? Good. I'm, I'm trying to make an effort so that we all can hear the gospel. Excellent. Now, the second story I want to share with you, now that we heard about Abraham, and Abraham's learning new faith and new God, is about a trickster. It's about a conniving guy. A guy who actually tricked his brother for just a little lentil soup. And actually tricked his father also for the inheritance and the blessing. I mean, the brother for the inheritance and the father for the blessing. His name is? Jacob. Jacobo, Jacob. And, and he had his own way of doing things. Boy, was he swift. Was he cool. Was he very soft walking shoes, huh? But God caught on to Jacob. For 20 years, him and Laban were tricking one another. And lying and deceiving to one another. But God caught on to Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel, prince and power of God. Prince and power of God. From a trickster, liar, conniving, now Jacob is going to be prince and power of God. You see, God his names. He expects us to live up to those names. He expects us to start clipping. Oh, they will be here all day. So actually, you know, when God gives us name, he intends us to live up to those names. God wants us to. So Abraham lived up to the father of faith. Did Abraham know a got new faith? Did Abraham create the whole, I mean, actually three religions come out of his, of his steps in the desert. Three whole religions. Judaism, Christianity, and some call that even Islam came out of that, of that uh, tradition. So actually, God has an intention. And when he changes Jacob to Israel, it is for Israel not to do things like he used to do them as Jacob. His own way. His own carnal, fleshly, conniving, deceiving way. But now, Jacob, as Israel, is going to learn to do things God's way. Here at at Light of Hope, we just go through a name change. Right, Rebecca? We've gone through a name change. We are no longer Calvary. We are no longer self-minister. We are no longer Woodland. We are what? Light of Hope. And what is that? Is that the name on the side of a building? Or is there a deeper purpose that God has actually allowed this whole situation to happen? Is there a greater purpose for this situation to have happened? For closing three congregations, dissolving, for Linwood to go through the headaches he has gone to legally and technically to get this thing happen? Not only him, but for so many who have labored for three years and it's extending now. Is it just for that? Is that it? Just to change the structure, the institution, so that we can then have more church with more people? I don't think so. I don't think so. You see, God has now called us out of darkness, out of perhaps impending doom in our particular congregations, to give us a new faith, a refreshed faith, to allow us to to refresh our relationship with Jesus, to renew that passion with our Lord, but also to do things not our way as we perhaps were doing them, but now to learn how to do them God's way. 
The third person I want to share with you about is, is, is it's a boy. It's one of my favorites because he's a loud mouth. I'm not a loud mouth. <laughs> he's a loud mouth. One of the translations calls him voice of thunder. Who that is? He walked on water. Ah, you see, the dude had faith, man. You know what it is to be a fisherman? To know that sea and step out of that boat with that water the way it was? I don't know, man. I don't know if I could. I would even think about it. But that man did. He stepped out of the Oh, he sank. But it doesn't matter. He still walked on water. He got back on the boat. Wet. But Jesus was also wet. And can you imagine both of them playing with the water? <laughs> I'm walking on water. And him waiting, Jesus, with us, the waves were coming up. Why not? Maybe Luke didn't see fit to write that stuff. But I could imagine that happening. So Simon, the voice of thunder, the businessman, now name Jesus as after he said, oh Lord, I will never forsake you and then deny him three times. What do you do with those words? What do you do with that memory? But you bring it to the feet of Jesus at the Sea of, at the sea of Galilee where he was told your name was now Peter, the rock, the stable one. And that iffy person, blowhorn person, hot air person, actually became a stable disciple of Jesus Christ. And his blowhorn, his hot air, was the first proclamation of the gospel. The Spirit fell upon them in the upper room. And 3,000 came forward and accepted Jesus as their Savior. So Peter had to learn something from Simon, who basically lived his life and had control of his life businessman. As Peter, now he has to learn a new way of life. Instead of fishing fish, he's going to fish for people. It requires a change, a shift. Instead of, of running a business with a house in Caesarea, the guy now is walking throughout the dusty Roman roads proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three individuals. Abraham learned that he had to refresh his faith and learn a new God. Learn to know God how God wants to be known, not as we imagine God. And boy, do we have a lot of imaginations about God. But learning who God is, that was Abraham's challenge. And I behoove you, Lord of Hope, that is our challenge. We got more? You ready for more? Good. That is our challenge. That we, as Abraham, will also accept call. Will also accept, thank you, reality that we are God's children. That we are to follow God, not ourselves, not our very own selves or our very own ideas, but God's ideas. Today we have a session meeting. And in that session meeting, we're going to discover that our duty, number one duty as session leaders, as leaders of this church, is not to share my opinion about an issue. Not at all. My biggest responsibility, and I'm a member of that session, by the way, my biggest responsibility is to try to discern God's will for this congregation. Is to try to discern the mind of Christ 
and together as we come to a consensus and we vote, then we have reached the mind of Christ. Then we come together as one identity, one in Christ as light of hope. Abraham had to learn that. Jacob had to learn that instead of doing things his way, he was now going to do them God's way. Do any of us need to do that in our lives? Do any of us need to deal with finances instead of our way? Perhaps God's way? Do any of us need to deal with our relationships with one another instead of our ways? Perhaps in God's ways? That's what we are here for, to learn that process. To be God's people. Abraham learned that he needed to, to, his lesson was that he needed to learn a new faith and learn about a new God. Jacob needed to learn the ways of doing things according to that God. And Simon, Simon Peter, Petros, had a new opportunity. Had a new opportunity, was given a fresh opportunity to start over again in his life. And he took that opportunity and he transformed himself from the fisher to the fisher man. Fishing, merely fishing, making money in an industry, from being one of the helpers of transforming the world, people. That's what they did. They transformed the world. We have been given a new name, and it is our opportunity as Light of Hope to embrace that name, to make it part of our life, not an institutional name, because ultimately, if I ask you to touch the church, I'm not going to ask you to do it now because I don't want anybody to get up and touch any wall. I'll be hurt. So? But if I were to ask you to touch the church, that's us. That's you and I. So, Light of Hope is not the institution, the name outside in this building or in the next building that we lease or buy. But Light of Hope is the new identity that Jesus has given you, 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 you back there, you, you, Bob, that's you. You didn't see me, but I pointed at you, Bob. You back here, you back there, you up here. Paul summarized it with these words. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Can I repeat it? In him we live, we move, and we have our existence. In him we live, we move, and we have our identity. In him we are the light of hope. Light of hope. Look at the person next to you. Because we are the light of hope for this community. A community that's crumbling down. The families are failing. Where children's success is being curtailed due to whatever stupidity is out there now and, and cost whatever money. We, you, and I are the light of hope. God has changed our name. God has given us a fresh faith. God has given us a call. God has given us a new name. We are light of hope. Repeat with me. We are 
light of hope. And as light of hope, we are ashamed. The tailor hasn't been able to finish. <laughs> I tricked her because I told her I, ha I was going to call somebody else, but I didn't to help her. But she's a good student, a good girl, a wonderful lady who loves the Lord, right? And we thank for her life. She is light of hope. You are light of hope. We are light of hope. God bless you this morning. Let us pray. Lord, it's difficult to see ourselves other than our careers, perhaps the color of our skin, perhaps what we do, perhaps the money we have. But really, we are your children. After all that's stripped out, after all that is taken away, we are just before you in need. But Lord, we ask you in this beautiful morning to continue to speak to us as you have ordained us to be light of hope, as you have called us to be light of hope, as each one of us individually begin to be kinder to one another, begin to want to live in peace with one another, begin to show love and forgiveness to one another, then we will become the light of hope. And when we do it to one another, oh God, it's going to shine so bright that the people are going to see it. And the neighbors are going to look at it. And our neighbors, who perhaps are hopeless in their own situations, that we may not even be aware. Use us, oh God, because we are your light of hope in this community. Make us aware of that. Help us make that commitment, not to Pastor Edwin, not to an institution, but to you, O oh God. Because in Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. One, lot of hope. Amen. Amen.